Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. Would you in your word, Galatians chapter 5? Because we love the word. We just love the word. It's the reason that we're changed. It's the reason our life is full is because of the word of God. It's, it's never been defeated and it's always on time. And so we're in a series and I just keep running on it. You know how these series go with me. And I, I've, this series is called Running Your Race to Win It. How many of y'all know a lot of people are running a race, but they're just running a race and they're going in lap 63 and then they're lap 64 and they're not winning their race. But we're running a race to win it. We've got the winner in us. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. He always causes us to triumph in him and we win. Praise God. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, along those lines of winning, it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let's say it together. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That word let us means that it's not necessarily a, uh, a given that we will walk in the Spirit, that we have a choice, we have an option, we, have a, uh, we can walk away from it even though that we're in the Spirit. Are you in the Spirit? Of course you are. John says, I was in the, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Well, we're making Wednesday uh, the, the Lord's Day. Hallelujah. So we're in the Spirit. Uh, the TEV, the uh, today's English version, says the Spirit has given us life. Now look, look. He must also control our lives. Could we say amen to that? Amen. I want Him to. I'm the only problem, the only hindrance, the only limitation on God controlling my life. It's me. He is at the door knocking, saying, let me in. I want to... Doesn't mean I didn't miss it. Didn't mean I didn't, but I just got up and kept on walking in the Spirit. Of course, that's going to mean some things. It's going to be walking in love. It's going to be walking by faith. It's going to be forgiving. It's going to be uh, speaking to some mountains. It's going to be a lot of things to live in the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit. But everything that of that entails is already in us. It's already in. It's not like, well, what do I got to do? We already did what it takes to do. And we're going to walk in the Spirit in 2021. And it's not, um, it's not, I wrote down here, it's not by living by rules or gradients of rules. You know, uh, preachers love, 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 love to keep their people beholden to them and their church. And the way they do that is they, they put a little condemnation on folks and, uh, and always have them coming back and repenting of everything. And, uh, you know, you, God don't love you unless you're with me. Just, it's rampant. It's all over. The condemnation and the guilt and the, and the law, living by the law. So you're, never, you're always falling short of the glory of God when you come into those churches. And he's a whamming on them or she's a whamming on them. And, you know, you are a dirty dog and you, you can't hope to get God's best. It's just not true. And so we're, we're preaching the truth, but it's not by living by rules. It's not like saying, well, your hair's too long or your skirt's too long, short or your whatever, whatever. We're not living by the law. Now, it, the law is good in that it gives us guidelines, but we're living in the Spirit. We know what to do. We don't have to preach about sin. We all know when we sin. And it's not even the same for everybody. You know, don't, don't color on the walls. We all know that's wrong. <laughs> well, a two-year-old might not know until you 
lay hold of him. Um, to live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, is a perspective to live above life at every degree. So when I was 15, I could, I could walk above the world as a 15-year-old. And then a 30-year-old, do y'all remember being 30? Hallelujah, who's 30? Nobody's 30 in here, praise God. We're all finally grown up, hallelujah. So it's perspective. So it's not a set of rules like, well, read these rules, and this is what you got to do and not do. That's, that's what they did in the Old Testament. That's what Leviticus and Deuteronomy is, is do this and don't do that. But we have a perspective where we're looking. We don't have to be slapped by the devil. We don't have to have the wages of sin come on us. We have that still small voice that says, don't go there, you know, or pay attention. So it's a perspective. And that's what walking in the Spirit is. It's a perspective where you intend to engage life. You intend to engage the Spirit. It doesn't mean you're rabid about it, that you can't, you know, you can't eat your food and tie your shoes. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means that's, that's who we are. It's, it's not a yes or a no. Well, how, let's see if I can find an example that doesn't get me in trouble. I couldn't. <laughs> uh, it's not hard and fast. I can tell you for myself, he won't let me do things that he never mentioned 20 years ago. Never mentioned it. And now he mentions it. He said, hey, we're not going to do that anymore. Or, hey, I need you to pick it up a little here. It's like, Lord, I've never, you've never talked to me. Well, it goes back to that capacity, maturity. Eating meat makes you have to, 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 to uh, live, live by it. Um, so guess what? Now you know this. I choose and you choose where we live. I'm not talking about your house. We walk in the Spirit, and it's up to me. It's just up to me, and I, and I say, well, it's up to my parents and my boss and my race and my gender and my uh, whatever. No, it's up to you. Just like Barry testified, we all have favor. And when we exercise it, when we walk in the Spirit, it pays in spades. There's dividends everywhere when we say, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm just going to lean that way because it's no more trouble to lean into the spirit than it is to lean into the flesh. It's just more natural to go to the flesh because that's where we were. But we need to get it where it's more natural to be supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I live, you live every day by willingness. Say that with me. Willingness. If you're not willing, there's nothing. We can't, we can't tie you to the post and keep you there. But if you're willing... You'll just get up every day saying, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. Go where you want me to go. I'm your man. I'm your girl. I, I'm in. I'm in. Not, Lord, I would. You know, a lot, I've heard lately several people say the reason that, other, that they didn't get close to God when they were younger is because they were afraid of what God would ask them to do. Yeah. I certainly have that testimony. Yeah. I just did not want to be a missionary in a white, a white sheet with the hole cut out the top getting off of a boat in some remote country where they eat bugs. I, I could see myself there, and I didn't want to see myself there. So I just kept me a little, you know, when you stand next to somebody or if you stand, I was standing away. We, yeah, I see you. I know where you are, but I'm not interested in that. So we, eat, we each live by willingness. How willing? So I'm working on my willing. I'm more willing than I used to be. 
from fear and from uh, inexperience. But we don't live, listen, this is not important, but it's the truth. We don't live by predestination. We don't live by this is my lot in life. This is what, this is all I can get. It's just what I deserve. And we've all had an experience with sin. We've all missed the mark. We've all fell short and we, we hate it. But the devil will say it's time to pay for that. And the word says that Jesus already did. So we're not going to pay double. Amen? So in the Passion Translation, it says, uh, uh, instead of uh, we walk by the Spirit, it says, we have now chosen. Say, I've chosen. chosen. We have now chosen to live in the surrendered freedom of yielding to the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? We have now chosen to live in the surrendered freedom of yielding to the Holy Spirit. But you got to live by revelation there because the facts don't always add up and the figures don't always come together and uh, things, will, things will move around on you. People will certainly move around on you if you're going to walk in the world. They will move around. They'll say, yes, sir, and then you won't find them. Uh, there's plenty of disappointment out there in the world. You can't put your weight on anybody, even if they mean to and, and would have, but they just couldn't. They just they failed, and, and you depended on them. So, uh, revelation. We live by revelation. What is revelation not? Well, one thing about it, it's not logic. But we love logic. Well, I do. <laughs> I love to, to say, here's where I'm going, and this is the way we're going to go in life. It's not by reason or rationale, like, well, let's figure this out. Well, you can figure out a lot of stuff, how to brush your teeth. You put the, you put the furry, the, the brushy end, you put it in and leave, leave the handle part out. We like to have that sort of cognizance of our life. But there's very little in the kingdom that does. Uh, how, how are you going to get wealthy? How are you going to get full supply? By giving? Well, that's not logical. Whoo! You talk about beating with a stupid stick. That's what, that's what we could, the world would say about that. You, you want more? Well, you, you give. They don't understand seed time. They do understand seed time, but they can't relate to God being that logical or that reasonable. So uh, Revelation doesn't look like tradition. It doesn't look like a form of some kind where this is the way we do it. This is the way we've always done it. And this is the way we're going to do it. That's in all of us. You know, we all know about the, uh, the, the proverbial uh, new husband that uh, his new wife brings out groceries and puts them on a plate and says, here it is. And he said, this doesn't taste like mama's. How many of y'all know it's a short string that he's on? Hallelujah. This ain't like mama's. Whew. So that's a tradition. That's a form that's carried over into our life in the spirit that we, we like to lean on the comfortable, the... Uh, the routine, the uh, ordinary. It's um, one thing about Revelation, it's not anything that we're used to. The Lord wants to surprise you with His goodness. He wants to barge in and you go, what in the world is that? It's me. <laughs> I've come to bring you a new life and you should have known the way you were going wasn't bringing you a new life. So we're going to change the way we go. Well, that's called Revelation and we got to want it. You got to want it. If you want to walk in the spirit, you got to want revelation. You want you want to know things that you cannot, you can't. Like in school, they say, "Show your work." 
You can't show your work for the, for the revelation. There's no work to show. It says, it said of, a Phil, of Philip that he, was, that he was taken to Azotus from the, the Ethiopian eunuch. He, what does it say? He showed up and y'all ought to read it. It's in there. I can, I can promise you. But it, it, you can't explain that. It just happened. Paul was stoned. And yet, and you know, and they stoned to kill back then. They didn't just stone to give you a, a, a blue spot. And he, he was raised from the dead. And uh, so, yay. Um, so we have that scripture in Job that says uh, that uh, Melissa quoted, uh, Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you. And then it says this, And the light shall shine upon your ways. Now, everything has to do, walking in the Spirit, with the light shining on your way. And what Melissa just shared about words, uh, tie yourself to words. It's powerful. It's powerful. So we want the light to shine on our way so that we can run our race, listen, and finish our course. Everybody's into running the race. Everybody's busy. You know, I'm busy. I'm in the kingdom. I'm in church. I'm... I've got my kids, and, and I'm busy, and I'm running some sort of race. But the Word never says it's good to run. It says it's good to finish. And so that puts a giddy-up in us. That puts a timeline in it. That puts a pacing on us. It's like, I, I got to, whatever I had to do in 2020, if I didn't do it, I got to make up for it in 21 if I'm going to get to a predetermined end or a finish my course and run while I run in my race. So understanding Revelation and understanding. How much you understand, how much revelation you're willing to walk in, me and, and you, determines how my life will go. It is not who's president. It is not where you work. I mean, the Lord will show you where to work, but I'm telling you, this little testimony I just gave you all about our finances, this is not how it goes. This is not how it works. I, I've hated three-day weekends all of my ministry life because back in the day, people took off on a three-day weekend and they never, they, did, they didn't finance the church while they were gone. So we all, did, we always hunker down for a three-day because, because it was always a low offering. It was a hireling attitude where, well, I pay when I go. I'm paying for my service. I'm paying for what you give me. But if I'm not there, I... And y'all know that's just wrong because it's not a church thing. It's a kingdom thing. But, but that's what I'm saying about understanding will show you how to live all the rest of your life. So what you get today, the light you get today, will determine how you're going to live in 10 years or 5 years or tomorrow. I'm a lot wiser now than I used to be. Whatever you think about me and whatever you say, you still got some ways to go. I'd agree with that, but I'm way better than I used to be. It was pitiful when I was 30 years old. <laughs> I was preaching the word, yeah, and everybody's looking at me. Look at that kid up there. He's, uh, he's not... Turn with me to Exodus. We got just a few minutes here. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, chapter. Uh, where are we? 18. We looked at this the first time we opened this. Series. Look in verse 13 with me, if you would. It came to pass on the morrow 
that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses, look, look, from the morning unto the evening. That's hard on everybody. You see them standing in line forever to get a COVID test. It's kind of like that. I mean, and when Moses' father-in-law saw that he did to the people, he said, what is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone? And all the people stand by thee from morning unto evening. And Moses said to his father, because the people come unto me to inquire of God. And when they have a matter, they come unto me and I judge, look, between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his law. In verse 17, Moses' father-in-law said, basically, the good thing that thou doest is not good. So we've come to this conclusion based on this and other scriptures that we, in the running of our race, the finishing of our race, don't have time for everything. I wish I could tell you you'll be in your 30s for 30 years, but likely you're not. Every year has got to stand on its own. So if there's so much to do for you, and if you ever understand the call of God on you, what if you were called to be a prophet and you say, well, I need to, I need to giddy up. I need to focus. But how much would you have to do if you weren't called to be a prophet? You weren't standing in the prophet's office, which is a very severe. It's not prophesying. Philip's four daughters prophesied, but they weren't prophetesses. It's a, it's a very holy and a very uh, uh, wrenching office to stand in. But what if you were called? Well, you'd, you'd say, I got to get going here. I got to get, I got to learn some things. Well, what if you just weren't? Maybe, maybe you were just called to go into the nursery and go, and I don't mean just, I mean go into the nursery and, and go to children's church or, or whatever. But how would you know? How would you know that you weren't called to the office of a prophet or an apostle or whatever we think is great? You wouldn't know unless you engaged. How, how fast will this motorcycle run? Well, I went to Foster's one day, and I come down that bridge, and I hit 120. Now, you understand, there's just one tire on the front and one tire on the back. It was foolish, but I did it. I touched that 120, and then I shut her down. Well, I know it'll go 120. That's how I know is because I've been there. Well, how will you know what you're supposed to be unless you step out? You won't know if you can walk on the water unless you step out on the water. That takes revelation. And to finish your course, there's a lot of playing around. A lot of people in the world say, ah, we need to have fun. We're down here having fun. Let's enjoy life. That's what beer commercials say. Let's enjoy life. Well, I say we ought to enjoy life, but not by drinking beer. <laughs> or not, I don't care, but it's by running your race and finishing your course. That's what makes life. Paul said, uh, he's the only one in the Bible that we know of, that Paul said, I'm ready to go. Then he's the one that said, I've run my course, I finished my course. Why would he be ready to go? Because that's when you're ready to go, when you've finished your course. And until you finished your course, it says in Psalm 91, verse 16, with long life I will satisfy you. Nobody's satisfied if they don't run their race and finish their course. They quit, they give up, they can't stand it, there's pressure, and so they quit, but they don't finish. And I want to finish my course, whatever it is. And how will you know? Because then you'll say, 
I'm ready to be offered up. I'm going to go see Jesus, and it'll be a glorious time. So here's what we said based on this Exodus 18. I hope you wrote it down because it's so, so powerful. I am living off this verse, uh, off this saying, only do what only you can do. And you're going to have to figure out what that means. That doesn't mean you can't take out the garbage because somebody else can take it out. Come on. uh, We're not talking about that stuff. We're talking about your life. Only do what only you can do. So that means sometimes i got to step back and let somebody else do. Now, I want to tell you all the truth. I don't want to sound presumptuous here, but I practically built that Coker church. I was there every day. I was there every day, and I had a trailer behind my little Yukon, and I was hauling stuff in and hauling stuff out. And I want to tell you all again, it was sin, like S-I-N, capital S. It was wrong for me to do that. But I didn't believe God for the money to hire somebody, so I did it because I could. I just, I'm, I'm turned that way, and I could. So I didn't do it all, but I was out there bossing people, and it was sin. You go, well, that was a good thing. The Lord would tell me the good thing you did was not good. Now, he turned it for good, but don't mistake him turning it for good for it being proper and good and in the will of God. Have you done anything that you go, that was a wreck, but it turned out good? That's the favor of God. And it'd be wrong. It'd be wrong. We, we, we had a woman in West Texas. She was a soul winner. She, everywhere she went. Well, she got cancer and went to MD Anderson. Well, she down there, uh, according to her personality, she'd walk the halls and get people saved. And you know what they said at little Southside Baptist Church in Seminole, Texas? God put cancer on her so that she could get them people saved. As if you couldn't just go in there with no cancer and get them saved. It's just crazy, and it'll change your doctrine if you let experience be your guide. So do what only, we're going to only do what only we can do. It, you'll still have to take out the trash. You'll still have to go pump gas. Hey, you over there, come pump my gas, because you can, and I'm too holy. If you're not doing anything for God, go pump the gas and take out the trash. We're talking about here a choosing thing. We're talking about here of weighing two things, and choosing what's expedient and what's, what's normal and, and what's traditional and what's habit and what's... Instead of, i got to go read the Word. Debbie used to run me off at 8 o'clock every morning. I, sometimes I wasn't ready, but it was prayer time. She shut the door on that bedroom and she started praying in tongues at a high decibel level. Drowning out lawnmowers and blowers and everything. And, but it was like, she, she told me, it's time for you to go. So that's, that's what I'm talking about is when you, you, you give yourself over to that and you do what only you can do. Here's the last part. And you will do all that you are called to do. In other words, there's enough time, enough emotions, enough love, enough faith, enough understanding, enough experience. There's enough in you to run your race and finish your course. There's enough. Had a dear, dear friend come to me one time, and he said, I had a vision of you, and he said, and he said several things, but he said, over your right shoulder in the vision was a clock, and the Lord said, you've got time. I'll tell you, it was a great relief to me, because I've always thought I wasted my life, even though 
I'm not a waster, but I always thought I could have done more. Have y'all ever got up and said, I could have done more? I frittered my life away. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't have friends over. It doesn't mean that you can't go to uh, uh, the play and the, and the ball game and everything. But when you're there, you're either giving or you're receiving. You're, you're, you're uh, transacting. Now, you go, this is a hard doctrine. Yeah, most people, if not all, will say, ah, he's off of it. And maybe, maybe in some sense I am. But this is, this is, this is winner's food. This is what you need to know if, you want, if you're serious about the things of God. And it may not be where this seed falls in your ground that you say, this is it. But that seed will fall in someday, someday. How many of you lived by a word that was spoken a long time ago and you remembered it until it was time for the water to come on it and spring it up? Someday you'll say, I'm going to live by revelation. Because I had to road test. I didn't believe what he said. I didn't believe what the word said, but I... Had to road test my idea and my plan and my strategy. And when that doesn't work, you can always go back and say, well, let's try plan B. <laughs> so here it is. Only do what only you can do. Don't get weird about that. Just start deciding when, when the call of God on your life is more important than comfort, routine, tradition, self-worth. You know, there's a story about Martha and Mary at the feet of Jesus. And Martha came in and complained about Mary and said, she won't help me cook and clean. And Jesus said, she has chosen, what is it? The greater thing. Right there, that tells the story. There was plenty to do. Plenty to do. And, and the Lord Jesus was there. You know, we don't want lunch to be late with him there. Still, he said... What he said. So I put down that there's a strategy. There's a strategy for winning. And it's not called breathing. Well, if I just breathe every day, I'll win. Not likely. It's that we strategize to use what he's given us and play it against the call on our life, whatever that is. It doesn't mean you quit going to work. It doesn't mean you don't play with your grands. It doesn't, it doesn't mean any of that. It just means that we all have time, energy, and faith for more than what we're doing. But that when we engage that, something's got to go. Is that right? Something's got to go because we're burning 24 hours. None of us are just sitting around saying, I wish I had something to do for three hours. We're burning it at every end in America, or at least y'all are. We're burning it. So it's not like, well, I'll just fit that into my three-hour off time. There's no such thing. So it's going to have to be a, a trade. It's going to have to be something's got to go in order to let this in. This is very, very powerful if you have ears to hear. If you're not ready, you're going to go, what was that all about? But I believe we're ready. Besides that, the Lord gave it to me, and I'm going to preach that. Hallelujah. So I put down, make every asset, every hour, every relationship that you now, right now, consider life. Every asset, everything you own, every hour, every bit of your time, and every relationship make that you consider important. Make it prove that it is necessary and profitable to you to finish your course. In other words, we look at stuff and say, you're not going to help me, and that's the only thing I need help for. you got to go. 
If you look at an asset and say, you know, that could help. You ought to have a nice house. We're not talking about living in old clothes under the bridge. We're talking about you ought to have a nice house because it's an asset that can make your, your ministry, make your calling go through. You ought to be having people over all the time in it. You ought, to be, you ought to be wealthy. Listen, I said this Sunday. You ought to be wealthy enough to take anybody out for lunch any day after church, any Sunday. Y'all like, ah, y'all come on. I just got an inheritance. Pants on fire. You didn't, but in the other hand, in the Lord Jesus, we're always got an inheritance. Praise God. That's what money's for. That is what money, that's what time, that's what relationships are for, is to help you and I win our race. Yay. So I wrote this down. Uh, people don't know what people don't know what to say no to. Listen, people don't know what to say no to because they don't know what to say yes to. When you know what is yes, if you know, well, we're going to we're going to Charlotte. I'm going to get on I twenty West, and we're going to Charlotte. You go, you are losing it. You don't go I twenty West to go to Charlotte. But once you know you're going to Charlotte, you know what to get on. You know what to do. You know, you know, you know, you know, don't leave at six o'clock in the evening and say we're going to get there by supper time. You know some things. And you start early and you gas up and you. We know that we understand that. But when it's life, it's like, oh, what do I do? I'm lost. I, I just I just play it by ear every day. Y'all know that saying, play it by ear. I just play it. As it comes to me, I react to what, it, what comes to me, and I just play it out. At the end of the day, I hope it's good. And see, that's, not, that's the world. We're supposed to play the world. I get up, and I decree a thing, and it's established unto me, and suddenly the path, the light, the way shines upon me, before me. And suddenly I know I'm going to Charlotte. We're going to leave at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we're, we're already gassed up, and we're heading out. You will not go to Phoenix if you, if you had that plan. Praise God. I'm almost through. Not, not with my notes, just... I put down, don't devalue the uniqueness of your calling by being ordinary. Don't be an ordinary Christian. Walk in the Spirit. It's the only way you can assign value to the uniqueness of your calling. Because we're all unique in here. I mean, we know not to let me sing. We know. There's, 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 there's equipment around the room to chain me down if I insist. I, it's not going to happen. But we all have different callings. I'm endeavoring, I'm endeavoring, just like you, to walk out my calling. Had some marvelous opportunities to do something else over the years. Some big financial things and otherwise. It never crossed my mind. I never took a thought. I never considered it, not one time. I'm telling you, that's an area. Drinking and smoking and changing my, my ministry are three things that never even light. Other things as well, that's not my only three, but anyway. So don't devalue the uniqueness of your calling by being ordinary. That's what we all do. There are certain churches you could go to now, 
And that's what they do. And the, the sin in that is not that people go in. They don't know any better. They're, they're, they're new. But the, the structure, the administration of those churches makes it seem like God approves of it. That God says, yeah, this is a real church and we're doing real things and we're equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and we're casting out devils and we're healing the sick and we're prospering. They don't ever mention that. They just get people in there and they all think, well, this is church because it's got a cross at the front and it's got pews or chairs. And so they fall into a trap saying, this is what church is. But this describes what church is. Not our experience, not our worldly experience. It's just a rock concert. It's just a rock concert and a little talk. Now, I, I shouldn't have said all that, but it's on tape now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not mad at them, people. But I, I am not happy that, that people that could get hungry for more are locked in to less. And they're, they can't, they're not getting equipped to run their race and finish their course. There's no way. It never comes up on the radar. It never is a factor. Now, it's up to all of us to, to lay hold. I'm not saying that the pastor's responsible, but he is responsible to put the tools on the table to fix the thing and to get it geared. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to quit with this. It's James 4.17. In the message, James 4, 17, don't look it up. I'm just going to read it to you. In fact, if you know the right thing to do and don't do it, that for you is evil. The uh, Passion Version says, so if you know of an opportunity, well, this puts it out there. If you know of an opportunity to do the right thing today, come on, Mr. Passion, cut us some room. If you know, if you know of an opportunity to do the right thing today, yet you refrain from doing it, you are guilty of sin. Now, we're not preaching on sin here. We're not preaching on the do's and don'ts. Don't do this and do that and all that. We could throw you under the law that says if you ever miss church, you could go to hell. We could throw you under the law, and I've known pastors that did that, that says if you don't tithe, you're going to hell. You go, no, that can't be true. I'm telling you. It was true. And I heard of a pastor that, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can tell this. Yeah, let's tell it. We tell everything. <laughs> uh, that when he would go to Walmart, he had a square thing that you could run credit cards. And if he would run into church members that weren't there last Sunday, he would stop them and say, it's time for you to pay your tithes because you don't want to go to hell. And they would run their little card. Now, he's just down there looking for dog food. I mean, it's not like he's running up and down looking for members. Now, that's wrong. Who thinks about the blessing of the tithe and the covenant that you embrace and the love connection and the lordship of Jesus that's involved in that transaction when you get accosted for money? Those people might not ever come back. Who's, who's responsible for that? So we have a grave and a great responsibility so if you know of an opportunity to do the right thing today, hey, that's Holy Spirit. That's walking in the Spirit. I got my radar up. I'm I got my home and signal out. Lord, where, where do you want me to go? Is there anybody here I can help? Is there anybody here that can help me? I'm looking. I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm looking. So we're all looking, aren't we? Because we want to please the Lord more than anything.
more than even pleasing ourselves. We're all willing to sacrifice, but we don't any of us want to suffer needlessly. We want it to pay. I'll sacrifice if I know I'm on a track to get the plan of God opened in my life. But I'm not willing to suffer just because somebody went into Walmart. Oh, my word. I mean, that is just... I have that on good authority. That's, that's not a, I heard it in a magazine thing. That's, that's in Alabama. That's, that's enough. I might get hate mail out of that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So that's why we have this. This is nothing. Don't, but but if, you, if you can't say it by faith, just say it under faith. Just, oops. Just say what you can't. I laid carpet yesterday. <laughs> oh, this is so amazing. My retirement is heaven, and in so going, my face is set. My pace is fast. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My guide is reliable, and my mission is so clear. I will not be bought out, distracted by detours, entangled by any weight, Lured or enticed away, drawn back, compromised, deceived, or delayed. I will not blink, stagger, or vacillate in the face of sacrifice. Hesitate in the presence of adversity. Negotiate at the table of the enemy. Ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. Oh, that'll just strip you of everything if you can get your faith around that. You're like, oh... I need to go pray. <laughs> and we do. We all do. It's not like, oh, did you pray two hours? I think I saw you going out five minutes. It's not that. It's like, it is so blessed to pray. So blessed to be in the Word. So blessed. I told Deborah Ann coming in I, this evening, I said, I so am glad that we are church people. I just love being a church person. It's just life to me. And I know it's life to you. So, Father, we thank you tonight for living and walking by the Spirit. Praise God, Holy Ghost in us. We activate you tonight in a new dimension. We give you new ground. We give you new latitude. We give you new place in our life. Because we see in some measure that we must finish our course before the time is up. Thank you for guiding us, helping us comforting us in this thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, amen.